Hey guys, welcome back to Fringe and Flourish. I'm your host, Laura Magruder, and today I am joined by my one and only fiance, Tom Smith, as we dive into how COVID-19 affected our household. So welcome, Tom. Thanks for being a host on my podcast that you produce. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can't wait to edit myself. (laughs) Um, So thanks for being here. So for those of you who don't know, um, Tom and I met in 2017 and through a mutual friend, our friend Kate, Mm -hmm. who is in one of our earlier episodes, I think two or three, I can't remember which one. Mm -hmm. Um, Tom's a musician. I'm a hairstylist. And... So we went from uh, doing long distance and then in 2018, he moved to North Carolina and, you know, half the year, Tom's pretty much gone. He's touring. Mm -hmm. He, when he is home, he's working a couple part-time jobs. I'm working full-time. And so we went from being together in like two and four and six week increments and then having two and four and six six week increments away from each other to being home <laughs> in our home, our small 1300 square foot house with no income and nowhere to go for three months while in quarantine, um, thanks to COVID-19. So Tom, tell me a little bit about where you were when everything happened <laughs> and, um, and how we got here. Well, as far as where I physically was when everything kind of hit the fan, Um, we had just enough time for the tour that I was on to get to California (laughs) and have to drive all the way back. And that was very stressful. Um, and then it was a lot of questions that were up in the air, but the biggest one was probably, were we going to kill each other in those three months of being you and I, yeah, Oh, (laughs) like the, with what you're saying about how we were off and on together because of me traveling so much and then me coming home to quarantine and we were just like, oh boy, this is the longest we've ever been together before. (laughs) Well, I think there were a lot of other factors first. You know, I am a very independent person. I am very extroverted, but I recharge generally by spending time alone. So our relationship has worked very well for us because Mm -hmm. when we are together, we can cherish that time together. And then when you are traveling and touring, I'm totally fine with it. Like I mm-hmm. enjoy that that quiet time and I also enjoy having you here. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, how do you handle, you know, him being gone so much? And I'm kind of like, well, I handle it well. <laughs> I handle it great. I, I'm so social behind the chair that I like being able to come home and just sit in silence, you know? Yeah, and which I usually want to talk your ear off when you get home. <laughs> well, yeah, I like talking to you when I get home. I love to come home and like have someone ask how my day was. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to, yeah. but that's fine. So we went from having our relationship set up in a di- very different manner um, to now we find ourselves both not working. But I think even even then, like, there were so many unknowns going into quarantine. Like you mm-hmm. had just been in California, Arizona, mm-hmm. and Vegas. Vegas. So some pretty big hot spots. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I made you quarantine. I 
quarantine in New Jersey for a few days before mm-hmm. you came home. Yep. But there were so many unknowns. Like, and I thought I was just going to close the salon for two weeks, and that was that. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I mean, I thought that I was going to be on tour a month later <laughs> again. So. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, we didn't think it was going to be as big of a thing no. as it became. And I think there were a lot of unknowns about. You know, how long was the salon going to stay closed? How long mm-hmm. were you going to stay home from tour? What does this mean for our future, uh, both as individuals and together, professionally, personally? And yeah, our house is small. I mean, <laughs> it, it's uh, seemingly gotten smaller the more time we both spend in it. I feel like our house is the smallest house on the planet now. It is. It's a tiny home, actually. <laughs> you didn't know that, but it's a tiny yeah, home now. Might as well be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and we were just talking this morning over breakfast, we got along so well during quarantine, like more well than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because that's all we had, right? Yeah. Like all we had was each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still did our own things. I mean, what do you think was the biggest contributing factor to how well we got along in quarantine? I don't, I don't know what the biggest contributing factor was. Well, okay. I think part of it was that we were, I think because we were around each other so much that we were comfortable, or at least I was more comfortable with like just vocalizing like, Hey, I need space for a little bit. And I think we were good about that. Like you'd be like, we'd be outside together. And then I'd just be like, I would just need to go watch a movie like by myself. Like, yeah. And we would do that or you would take a nap on the hammock and now I'm thinking about those, the golden days of quarantine where it was all like <laughs> relaxing. Um, but I think, I think being able to like give each other that space. And for me, somebody who's, I mean, you know, more than anybody, my, my insecurities and my like worry of not being around people when I should be. Um, I was like, Oh, I'm home. We're home it's okay if we're not together every moment that I'm home now because because generally when I was on off of tour and I had three weeks between another tour, I was like, I got to spend every, every friggin' second with her or else I'm going to, I'm going to lose her. Like one of those things. Um, so I definitely think like just knowing that we had that space together was a big thing of that. And then being comfortable with giving each other the space, asking for space. Yeah. Because that's not something that, I'm not great at it, but I've gotten a lot better, especially through quarantine, because mm-hmm. for me, it was easier to recognize like when I needed to take a step back and be like, oh, I need to just like go chill for a second, mm-hmm. or I need to go, you know, take a nap or or just go fuck off and do my own thing for a little bit. Um, but it's hard because, you know, we couldn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm very grateful that we live on the Greenway, which we didn't discover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we've lived in our house uh, three and a half years, so I bought it right before I met Tom and mm-hmm. didn't know what was on the Greenway <laughs> until quarantine, until we had nothing to do but walk outside for hours. And it was awesome. And it was awesome. <laughs> but I do think that that, all, that helped us a lot too because we, we weren't when we walk, we aren't really on our phones. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gave us a good opportunity to just like talk and it removed us from our home and we could just talk and express our fears and our upsets and our angers. And I think one thing that helped us through quarantine is, is having that space to communicate and share our fears because, you know, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, primarily you rely on touring for your income. Yeah. I 
still don't know what's going to happen with that. <laughs> and I, you know, work behind the chair. If I don't have clients, I don't mm. make money. Yeah. So we went from living fairly comfortably mm-hmm. in our non-traditional job roles to having all of that ripped out from underneath us and then not knowing when or if it will return. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful we had um, lots of support because mm-hmm. uh, we were also planning a wedding. So we had paid two hefty deposits the week before the shutdown. <laughs> And yep. I had also, you know, paid off some other big major bills right before the shutdown. So we just we weren't planning for anything to to happen mm-hmm. financially other than the wedding that we're planning. You know, we weren't planning for other big expenses or um the no one could have predicted a mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> twelve week shutdown. But even when I've talked to my clients, a lot of them have said, Oh well you know, how was it? Did you ever, did you get any financial support? Like, you know, with a SBA or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, no, but you know, Tom's home too. And, and my client's like, oh, I totally forgot about Tom. And I do think that having both of us in a non-traditional job role where we both ended up unemployed at the same time for an extended period is very unique because mm-hmm. I've heard it a lot from, you know, one or the other yeah. got laid off. And either, even though neither one of us got laid off, it was like, boom, suddenly our, our jobs don't exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, we might as well have gotten laid off. Well, true. But yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people don't think about the music industry in that sense mm-hmm. because they're used to, oh, let me just go to Spotify and listen to this music and so on and so forth. But they don't really hear how it affects someone on a much more personal level. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like your thought process and like whatnot after coming home from tour. Well, before we touch on that though, I want to touch on one more thing with kind of like, I think what helped us get along so well during quarantine. But I think this also kind of ties into it was that I don't know as much for you. I know for me, I finally had the time to do some of those like, passion project things that was like feeding me personally. So it kind of, I think just helped my overall like attitude of things. And I know like you and I had done some gardening and stuff and we worked on the backyard a bunch and everything. We started the podcast, started the podcast. Well, we, we start, I started my podcast. We worked on yours. I started my podcast over a year ago, yeah. secretly. <laughs> but we, we pushed for it. Yeah. Through quarantine. And we did some of your video stuff. Um, but I, I just wanted to bring that up just because I think that that was really important. Like we finally had the time to mentally recharge some of our passion stuff and just things that made us feel better about ourselves and our lives. Well, I think that's a good thing about that. I had you with me in quarantine because while we were both in our own little worlds, upset about our careers and Mm -hmm. wondering what next and what if, and so on and so forth, you were also able to stop me and say, Hey Laura, now we have time to do, XYZ PDQ or, Mm. hey, you know, Laura, why don't you focus on all those things you've been putting on? (laughs) Or, and, and I was able to do that for you too. Yeah. Um, I think our rooms were the most clean they've ever been. Oh, our house was so clean. (laughs) Our house was so clean. Uh, But at the same time, it's like you had your uncertainties about the music industry and still do. Mm. And I think that that is something that's been vastly overlooked by society and 
and government, and you hear about small businesses and restaurants mm-hmm. and, oh, the poor bars are suffering, which, <laughs> you know, I, I do love a good bar. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people aren't thinking about musicians, people who make their live their money off live events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people have a hairstylist, so they did consider their <laughs> hairstylist. Yeah. Um, but they didn't, a lot of people don't understand the depth of it, mm-hmm. especially like how it affected you and I from, like I said, having two flourishing careers to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think as far as like the consideration or the knowledge of how it affects like musicians or people with live events, I think it's, I think it's just kind of one of those things that there's this perception that not a lot of people know the actual like facts about. Like I remember somebody I, I out of out of angst, I tweeted something one day like, how the fuck do you make money in the music industry? And somebody responded back being like, haha, very funny. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm broke. Like we're in a pandemic. And uh, a lot of people say like to me, like, well, doesn't he get royalties? Yeah. Like there's that. And then the kid wrote back like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was being serious. Like I thought that you were like, like would be loaded because of your band. And I was like, that is genuinely laughable. Um, but people don't know. It's not, I mean, it is kind of laughable, but it's it's really truly the lack of education, which yeah. is what we're here now to do today. Right, yeah. I mean, it's laughable for me because it's like almost a sick joke to say that to me. That's what I'm getting at. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's for a band like us, especially in our genre, our whole entire, basically income comes from our live playing. Like we... I mean, we get some money from tickets and merch and stuff. Tickets less. It's basically, it's basically all merch. Like we get a guarantee from venues every night based on kind of the tour package, kind of based on just like your role or representation in the music industry. Like we're lucky enough where, I mean, we're, we're no Metallica, but for the genre that we're in, like we do well as far as like our guarantee every night. They're pretty well known. (laughs) Um, maybe uh but i mean it's it's mostly people coming out buying merch buying records like at the merch table not buying records from from itunes we don't see that money um what is it like 0.01 cent per play or something like that i don't even know i know that we have millions of streams on spotify and zero dollars from spotify (laughs) so just think of that. And I mean, I, I love Spotify. I think Spotify is the greatest invention on the planet for listening to music, but it also doesn't really support artists. It is the opposite of supporting artists. Yeah. Um, and it really pisses me off when I see what the CEO of Spotify's net worth is, but, but it's fine. That's another conversation, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's, it's hard to like educate because especially with our genre, it's so, I mean, we're, we're big for our sound, but we are very underground. Like whenever people ask me what we sound like, I just say, just picture something that you can't understand our singer. Cause I don't understand our singer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's all live music. And if I'm not on tour, I'm basically not making money from the band. Like right. it's, it's basically like you're employed when you're on tour and when you're off tour, you're just a guy with a guitar. I mean, it's just like, me working behind the chair. Like if I have clients in my chair, then I'm making money. But if I'm not in the salon, I'm not making money. Yes. But the people aren't getting your service when you're not behind the chair. Like people are listening to our records when oh, we're not true. playing on stage. Yeah. That's and, what I'm getting at. Think about that. Yeah. Like people are buying our records 
when we're not physically in front of them and we're not getting that, that compensation, you know? So what, I mean, so you came home. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you, so you said you thought you just, you were going to just go back out on tour or? I literally, I was like, damn, this sucks. This tour was cool, but it's okay. We got another tour coming up in July. Like I was like, I, st- I started literally working on the, cause the tour in July that we were supposed to have, I mean, you know, was supposed to be like a pretty big production for us and like a big deal. And I was like, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I have more time to work on that and make that tour be exactly what it needs to be. And then the farther along into quarantine, I was like, what am I thinking? There's no way we're going on this tour. And then every band on the planet's tour was canceled for the foreseeable future. Yeah. It's rough. You know, more than anybody you've seen me struggle with the, where do I fit into this world thing? Because of, the worth that I put behind where I am financially because of a band, like it's, it's a rough, it's a rough thing to chew on. And anybody like who has a a passion that isn't super financially viable, like they know that you put your all into something for however many years. And then to have it one, not fully support you to the point where like, I have to have a job off of tour and I can't focus on just music. And then to have music be like, okay, you're not doing this for X amount of time. And then like the politics of our country right now, like making that even further difficult because some people are totally against the regulations. Some people are totally for them. It's like every time I see a big gathering, it's like, cool, that's another day. I'm not going back on tour. Well, yeah. And I, this is actually a conversation that happened between uh, myself and another friend was there was a, uh, small house show in uh, Raleigh. Do not play house shows. (laughs) Uh, In Raleigh a few months ago, um, no one was wearing masks. They had a bunch of people in their garage playing a hardcore metal show or whatever. And I actually said something to one of the members of the band. And I said, hey, like, Oh, I forgot all about this. (laughs) Didn't you guys just play a house show? Um you know, they were online talking, talking, saying something. I said, Hey, didn't, you know, didn't you guys just play a house show? And instead of having a conversation with me, the band member went online trying to insult me and bring the Acacia strain into it Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And I, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, look, dude, like, I just want you to know, like he was a fan of the Acacia strain. He was Mm -hmm. a fan of you. And I said, look, the, the more you guys do this kind of stuff, the, the more you have house shows with 30, 40 unmasked people, mm-hmm. the less likely it is for larger bands to ever be able to tour again. Yeah. And it's kind of feels like a slap in the face. You know, <laughs> these like smaller <laughs> bands are like, well, we just want to get with our friends and blah, blah, blah. And while that's great, they don't realize they're actually hurting the music industry more and hurting these bands that they follow or that they're fans of because- you know, they're obviously not preventing the spread of COVID-19 yeah. <laughs> um, by doing those things. And it's definitely frustrating because it's like, especially for you, mm-hmm. you can see directly how these large mass gatherings of 100 plus people not wearing masks, not taking preventative measures, you can see directly how that impacts your career and your future. Yes. <laughs> and And I mean, I get smaller bands wanting to play shows. I get that. And I, I've said this all along, like every band that's big was a local band. So I'd never want it to be this thing of like, 
oh, well, we're a big band. Our feelings matter more than yours. But when you are a local band, your whole career isn't on the line from you playing that show. And like you said, hearing that there was a local show happening, even though, yeah, that's not going to cause the whole country or the whole world to go into another tailspin. It's just like a, a slap in the face, a kick in the nuts of like, cool, this is my actual career. I'm not saying that I'm further along or doing better than you, but you're literally preventing my career right now. Yeah. And it's, it, it feels like a direct insult. Like you might as well have just actually called me an idiot <laughs> right to my face. giving you the Roni. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I would literally rather catch Rona than <laughs> have that happen. Like give it to me and then go play your fucking show. <laughs> Jesus. So you've been home now since March. It's now October. And yet it's still somehow March. <laughs> <laughs> March never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, March never ended. So what, I mean, what have you been doing with your time now? I know job market's been a little, been a little interesting lately. Because mm-hmm. um, you've had to come back and find a full-time job. Yes. Uh, since you don't know when you're touring again. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about like what that's been like and... I mean, coming out of quarantine, mm-hmm. how you're, I mean, we're still technically kind of in that mindset. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about like how you're feeling coming out of that and, and the job market stuff. 2020 sucks, obviously, but I think that we've had to learn a lot of things that we didn't want to or didn't expect to learn. And I will say that the one positive, like the one super clear positive that I can take away from this is that. I actually can do something other than music, which is not what I want to do. Shocker. <laughs> I, I know I see your face. Hey, because you've did been- you know that you actually have multiple talents mm. and you're actually great at a lot of things? <laughs> I'm actually okay at a no, lot of things. No, that's not true. I think you're great at a lot of things. I'm going to give myself a couple things, okay. but I appreciate it. <laughs> but I think the one the one thing that I really learned was that one, I can do something like I, my whole existence isn't music the way that i truly thought it was. Like I was just like, if I don't have this band or this career path, like there's no purpose of me being on this planet, which is, I know a super dark thing to say, but Hey, we went there Yeah, during quarantine. We both were there. I mean, and that's something like that I think needs to be addressed. I think we are not the only people that were Mm -hmm. feeling this way. Like, you know, I've been doing hair for 10 years. It's the only thing I really, really know. Yeah. And the only thing that comes to me very easily besides calculus, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <Crazy>. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, well, if my whole purpose is taken away, mm-hmm. why am I here? What do I exist for? Yeah. And I know damn well that we were not the only people having these total existential crisis during crises during quarantine and during the pandemic because a lot of people have been faced with not only job instability or career mm-hmm. instability but f- wondering what their purpose is amongst facing all sorts of anxiety and depression that maybe they didn't even know existed before it's crazy when people don't have anxiety so if yeah. you, if you just that learned, like if you just learned about it during covid i am sorry that it's new to you but you did, you had a good run. So <laughs> I applaud you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, 
I mean, I feel like every other day I have some kind of existential crisis surrounding my career, but the one thing, like I said, was that I kind of learned that I can do something outside of it or that at the very least when I'm backed into a corner, I can push myself to the point of like get us out of the hole or help us get out of the hole. Um, I am working three jobs at the moment, (laughs) one of which is very thankfully coming to an end this week because of a promotion at another one. But I think just putting myself out there as a hard worker was a big thing for me. Like I, with, with Cherie and Roseanne, both two business owners that I'm sure will be on this podcast eventually. Um, I do a lot of work for both of them and they were just two people who immediately kind of believed in me and saw the work that I was putting in for them. And I mean, I think, I think them, them having so much faith in me at a different job that was nothing to do with music. Like one is delivering and setting up furniture for, weddings and another is delivering and setting up furniture for home staging yeah. Um, so yeah not uh not playing guitar but they but it's also something you're really good at and it's not just the physical act of it but you're great at communication and management mm-hmm. and time management and I think for me the one thing that I saw that you needed was was just to be going somewhere like to yeah. be going to a job because I saw you sit literally in your shit, like in your upset, oh, yes. in your <laughs> your questioning of your career and your life choices and your passion. Um, and that was devastating for me to watch because I know from my out, outside perspective that I can see that you're good at so many things other than just playing guitar. Mm-hmm. But it's also something, and one of the only major things that you've known for almost, what, 20 years right? 19 years. Yeah. 20 years in February. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just happy to see you just step out of literally the house and (laughs) have somewhere to go every day and have your brain working in a different dimension almost to Mm -hmm. kind of get you off the hamster wheel of my passion, my job, you know, my career, guitar, band, music, whatever, because I think that's, I think you just needed to, to be able to see things from a different perspective that, Yes, you're great at music and your career and you're very passionate about being in the band. And it's not it's not the only thing that you've ever had going for you. Yeah, and ironically, everything that makes me good at those jobs, I learned from touring. <laughs> um, like, I mean, it, it feels like such a weird thing to brag about, but like Cherie is always complimenting how good I am at passion a truck and I'm like <laughs> I don't know if I like that compliment but I'll take it because I know it's genuine from her but, but it's, it's efficient and it, yeah and it it helps save her products from being destroyed every time we take the truck out but I mean that's from packing up our own gear because we don't make enough money to hire crew like it's from me and Griffin standing in the trailer in five degree weather and being like we have to get this done right and fast so or we're going to freeze to death out here. Let's do that. Um, and then like just learning how to talk to strangers and people like it's from working with bands that you don't know and working with sometimes shitty venue people and having to figure out how to get around their bad attitudes and get what you both want out of it. And sometimes you come across like difficult people in life, obviously. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to, actually kind of be learning some of the good things about me <laughs> through jobs that are not music. Cause I 
like I said, I thought music was literally the only good thing about me um, for, for 26 of my, for 27 of my 27 years. I was like, yeah, I'm a musician. <laughs> oh, since you were a baby, you're like, I'm a musician. <laughs> if you ask my, I, I was in the womb and my parents went and saw Ozzy. So that's pretty I mean, tight. <laughs> none of that surprises me. No, that is 100% At true. All. Yeah. Um, if you told me your mom like gave birth at a metal concert, like that would not phase me at all. As far as I know, she was very pregnant when she went to that Aussie show. <laughs> so yes, basically that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't even, I, I, I've lost track of the question cause of, you know how much I like to ramble, but I was just asking you about life after quarantine and getting back into uh, yes. the new normal, you know, because there's no set, like people keep saying, Oh, I can't wait till things go back to normal. I'm like, there is no going back to normal. Yeah. It'll never be back to the way it was. Completely. Because even if, even if COVID-19 goes away, even if the coronavirus goes away, so many things have changed in the last seven months that yeah. I can't imagine things ever going back to normal. I mean, even, even things that like don't affect our personal day to day, but like, I mean, something as simple as like now, th- like the sheets I got gas at yesterday, all you go inside, it's all self checkout, like little things like that. That's jobs that some people don't have now and they have to figure out a way around that. So like little things like that. Yeah, there is no new normal because why would they go back to something that's clearly safer and healthier, you know, Um, easier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But that and I think just I mean, kind of trying to encompass like my path of being a musician who then had that kind of taken away and is trying to get back to some semblance of normal, but have to learn from this COVID era, um, I mean, working for Cherie and Roseanne, I think is a huge step for me because that's two full-time jobs for the most part, two very flexible full-time jobs. They are also very um, driven, mm-hmm. hardworking, passionate women. And it's women their own business. So they who, understand Small business that. owners, yeah. yes, who are truly invested in you. Yeah. And- your vision and your beingness. Yeah. Not just as an employee, but as a person, they want to see you grow. Right. And that, and that's what I was trying to get to was like for people who might be in the same scenario as us. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are in that scenario of like, what do I do after quarantine or COVID? It's, I think the most important thing that happened for me as like a professional during this was finding people who align with like my vision or maybe not my vision, but just align with one, my personality. Like I don't your beliefs at my beliefs and valuing the people around you. Like, like I'll give the straight up example. Like the, I, I work for Sheree and I work for Roseanne. They treat me amazing. I had to get a job at target full time because I was terrified that more COVID stuff was going to be taking their jobs away from me, like shifts that I could be working. Right. And target is, I love target as a Shopping consumer. <laughs> we, I as love an target. employee. It is the bane of my fucking existence because they do not care about me as a person. They do not care about anything other than can you put this much stuff out on a shelf in this amount of time? Yeah, you're just you're a number. Yeah. And I I thought that I could deal with that and I thought that I could be okay with like nope, I'm just going to go in, do my work, keep my head down, make my check and leave. And within 
I, I mean, I've only worked there for six weeks and I'm already quitting. Uh, and within three of those weeks, I realized like, wow, it's a huge value to my own personality and self-esteem to be working with people who actually care about me. Like yeah. even when I told all of my team leads that I was putting my two weeks in, they didn't even ask why they just went, oh, okay. okay. Like, yeah, they don't I, care. Yeah. They, and, and they're great. Like they're, they treat me well enough as they should for a team lead, but I don't expect them to be deeply emotionally invested, but just as any, to me, any person who you see every day to then be like, Hey, I'm not going to see you again. I would at the very least be like, Oh damn. Why? Like anything, you know? And to have it just be like, Oh, all right. And just keep walking. I was like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, and, and then when I told Sheree and Roseanne that I was leaving, they were over the moon. I mean, we were just on the phone with Roseanne and she said that she cried when I said that I got a job at target because she knew that she couldn't have me as, as often as she needed me. And I mean, Cherie, God bless her, fucking practically restructured her whole month so that she could make my, so that she can make a better job for me. That's definitely been like, I think important for both of us to find like who truly does support you. Mm -hmm. Like I very quickly saw when I was out of work, which of my friends and family and clients truly supported us. Yeah. Either emotionally, financially. I had many clients who, you know, wanted to support me financially. Um, and, and emotionally, people that reached out and people who have taken it seriously mm-hmm. and who understand the deep impact this has had on both of our lives. Yeah. And so it's been amazing that we have people like Cherie and Roseanne and, you know, some of our friends that we've spent, um, you know, Kate, I'll throw in there because she's honestly been, I mean, she's one of my best friends and mm-hmm. she's honestly, she brought us together and yeah. <laughs> um, and she has been kind of our saving grace through throughout the last seven months. I mean, she just, she's been there for every uh, social distanced walk I needed to take. <laughs> She's been there for every social breakdown, distance <laughs> social distance grilling, every breakdown when I couldn't find Lysol. She brought me <laughs> some, you know, um, got me masks, like all that sort of stuff. Mm. So I'm really grateful. And I think it really has shown us who who's there to support us. But also I think for you and I, it's taught us that it's okay to ask for, like mm. to ask for support. Yeah. Um, I'm not one who ever likes to ask for support, especially not financial. Mm-hmm. I have a re- <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, it's, Cause it's, I mean, it's true to the point where you will be breaking down about money. I ask what I can do to help. You tell me nothing. Don't worry about it. And then I just send, I just Venmo you something. I, Cause I'm like, this will I help just somehow. Don't, well, I just don't like asking for money. And that's all based on like my, my own self-worth stuff and, and societal pressures. You know, I'm almost 30. I own a business. I own a house. I should have all my shit together. I mm-hmm. should have this. I should have that. I should have savings. I should have... But like at the end of the day, no one can predict that we would ever lose our jobs at the same time for three months mm-hmm. and go from having income to no income. And I'm very grateful that there were people who who helped financially support us during that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit and say that we were able to do it all on our own. We weren't. 
I tried that. I tried for the first three months of COVID to just be a guitar teacher and a songwriter. And I learned that I fucking hate teaching guitar (laughs) more than just about anything on this planet. And that it's really, really difficult to, I mean, I say that as if I only spent three months trying to market myself as a ghostwriter. I've been trying to do that for the past 10 years practically, but there's no way that we could have only done it ourselves. Absolutely. And I think I've just had to get used to asking for help, Mm -hmm. whether financial or, you know, going back to what we were talking about when I would ask for my space or alone time. I'm not used to asking for those things. Mm -hmm. I am very much like, I got this. I can do it. I'm fine. I don't need no help. And there is strength and vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? And I know that when I'm vulnerable with people and when I share what I'm up to and when I share that I need help, those who do come to support, I'm, I'm closer with. We formed a different kind of bond because I am vulnerable with them mm-hmm. or I'm sharing with them what my struggles are. And I think, you know, that was challenging at first when we went into quarantine. I, I didn't want to talk about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, um, being able to say, hey, this sucks. Yeah. Like, this sucks and I need I need some love. I need some support. And, you know, I'm not a touchy, feely person, I think. <laughs> physical touch. Oh, I know. <laughs> physical touch is like the lowest on my love language. But damn, if I have not wanted a hug... Lately, yeah, fuck. something serious. <laughs> I mean, you're the only person I hug I at know. all, and the dogs. Yeah, um, thank but, God for the dogs. Oh my god, that, but, that's another. Okay, three other things that got us through quarantine: Raza, Batman, Talia, and the fourth one, Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I thought you were going to say our new dog, but we got him after quarantine. Yeah, and he's a pain in the ass still. That's so. true. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't know. I just, I definitely like think there's been a lot of value that's come out of like us being able to ask for support Mm -hmm. because that just wasn't our MO before. That wasn't what we did before quarantine. Um, And I think even from each other, you know, I'm shocked that we didn't butt heads during quarantine at all. But I think it's because I had a lot of external factors removed from me like oh my gosh we were just talking this morning I slept so well in quarantine and that's I don't sleep well normally it was great Um, (laughs) and so I wasn't as stressed and I wasn't I mean there was the impending like will I ever go back to work Mm -hmm. and after about a month I was like okay I could be a stay-at-home dog (laughs) mom and we kind of settled into this rhythm and um not like we ate well but we didn't eat I think we maybe got takeout twice during the three months we did not eat very much takeout. Well, uh, honestly, this is a very funny sidebar, but it, I think it did help us get along during and get through quarantine. Was that our whole relationship before quarantine? You were telling me, "I just need you to cook me dinner, and I'll oh, love yeah. you forever." And I hated cooking, and I fell in love with cooking during quarantine. So well, I think that helped. <laughs> not during quarantine. Let me say, I cooked most of those few months before I went back to work. Okay. And once I went back to work and you were still home for another two months, you started cooking. And I'm good at it. And I, you are good (laughs) at it. And I tell you what, I, that made me fall in love with you 
all <laughs> over again. And it sounds ridiculous. My love language is acts of service. And Tom and I, we eat very, very differently. Um, and so the fact that we kind of met in the middle and we, we did a whole 30 together and mm-hmm. he cooked every meal for literally like 30 days. And it was great. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fantastic. And I genuinely got passionate about it. And it was, that was like kind of another thing was just finding like other little things through, through not having music be my whole focus was finding other little things like finding like work stuff, finding cooking. Yeah. I, I realized, never, ever thought I would heard you hear you say that you like cooking ever. Uh, yeah. And then my my other safe haven of realizing how obsessed with movies I am. I mean, you probably noticed that off the bat, but now I'm like- Well, you've always been really into movies, but also like, I think you had pushed your love for horror movies aside because I don't like horror. Yeah. So I think you started picking that back up again mm-hmm. a little bit. We did play a lot of Animal Crossing together, yeah. <laughs> which is really fun because some days there were like, okay, let's just, today's just going to be Animal Crossing day. We're just going to sit on the couch and cuddle together and play Animal Crossing We had all like day. our whole like, we, we were also like, <laughs> like virtual drug mules of like you changing your time. That on, sounds really, really bad. In Animal Crossing, in Animal Crossing, like how you would change your time on your Switch so that you could get turnips. And then oh, I was I, flipping nips. We were flipping nips like crazy. And we I had millions nips. in the bank. <laughs> millions and millions of nips. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was... Nip flipper. I, I don't know. It was hashtag nip flipper. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's little... I think coming full circle, I think little things like that were like huge for us. Because it's stuff that we didn't get to always do because I was always gone. Or our schedules were totally different. And we had that couple months to like i truly think that we grew as a couple like 10 years worth in that oh, three yeah. months versus th- when you think about it we were together for almost three years at that point i don't think we had ever spent that much time together though but yeah but in reality like we were in the same place maybe a year of that yeah when, when you add it all up and then it was like boom here's three months of you're literally locked in your house together <laughs> And it ruled and it was like, we're either going to burn the house down or we're going to be the greatest. And I think we came out on top of that one. Oh yeah, for sure. And we're still getting married. So that's a good sign. There was a lot of divorce rates were up during quarantine. Were they? Divorce rates. And I know people who broke up during quarantine. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like we did pretty damn well. Yeah. We're uh, pretty cool. So for any other couples who may have both lost their jobs Mm -hmm. or dealing with a whole new reality for them. I mean, you and I have really had to create a whole new reality for us and Mm -hmm. our relationship. Because like I said at the beginning, this wasn't what our relationship was founded on. No. Our relationship was not founded on us being together all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But it is now. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm a very big fan of it. I'm a big fan. The only thing that... Like if, it, if say we weren't together, no, 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 this is not, oh. this is not a only thing. Like you, the only thing that I can't stand that you do. No, it's not one of those. The, I say it all the time. The only thing that would keep me from touring 365 days a year is that I have you to come home to. And that is You're damn right. <laughs> and that is like, it's still so devastating that music is not there, but I have you to I'm trying to hold your hand as you put your hand out. Uh, I have you to still be that place that I need and be the person that I need when I don't have 
music, which is the other most important part of my life. Aww. Aww. Well, I'm glad we spent lots of time together. Me too. I think we grew and I just, you know, find joy in the small things. I think that's probably the whole point of this podcast is mm-hmm. we just had to find pivot and find new things that brought us joy together as a couple mm-hmm. and find a new way of being together that works for us. Even mm-hmm. if it's, you know, you go work in the your office for an evening and I sit on the couch with the dogs. Mm-hmm. Where you can still be together and give each other that space and know when to ask for space and know when to ask for support from each other or other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you're in, in your candy crushing zone, I learned that I could put a horror movie on and you don't even realize the horror movie's on because you you're so in the zone. <laughs> oh, I've done that many times. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, babe. Yes, will do. I'm going to have to edit those out. I am mocking you. I have to edit that out a lot. Oh my gosh. Don't be mean to me. (laughs) It's funny. It's cute. I actually really like it. Thank you, Tom Smith of the Acacia Strain for joining me on my podcast today. Thank you, Laura Magruder of Fringe and Flourish podcast. Of course. So thanks for listening along today, guys. Check us out next Monday, new episode. Follow us on Instagram, Spotify. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And we will talk to you next Monday.